0: Hello America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports. Yes, the Friday edition of John Solomon Reports. We are headed into the weekend, thank God. I'm exhausted, I don't know about you. We've had a great week, great guests. Yesterday's show, that very, very special veteran show, was very special for me to have three true American heroes who not only serve their country with heroism in the army, in the uh, various services, They've served their country since they've gotten out. They're doing things to make veterans' lives better, your lives better, to make policy in Washington better. They're running for Congress. They're running foundations. They're helping people do things as simple as use crafting, like quilting, to ease the pain and the transition and the healing of our great wounded warriors. Thank you for listening. Thank you for everybody who participated. I was deeply, deeply Touched by yesterday's special. And I want to thank you for all of you who went to Omaha Steaks, all of you who went to Annie's Kit Clubs yesterday and bought subscriptions, bought meals, and sent them to veterans. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't have all the numbers yet, but I know you made a difference and I can't thank you enough. It's not too late. You could still do it. All you got to do is go to omahasteaks.com, use the code JUSTNEWS, go to Annie's Kit Club. Use the code JustNews and do a subscription. You get 75% off the kit from Annie's Kit Club, 50% off the incredible steak package I told you about at Omaha Steaks. Send it to a veteran. It's an all-weekend celebration. Go do it and make a difference now. I will be grateful if you can pull that off. All right, folks, we're going to have a great show today. Cash Patel is here for the whole Semigat. So, uh, we're going to talk Russia, 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 because there are so many developments in that case. The John Durham investigation, the unraveling of the false Russia collusion narrative, the Hillary Clinton dirty trick, the FBI misconduct, or or if it's not misconduct, at least complete escapades and incompetence. All of that is going to be on display with a great conversation with my good friend, Cash Patel. Now, before we get there, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we've got a great scoop today. We've unearthed some audio, unearthed some video of Joe Biden Talking like he was Donald Trump. That's right. On the border. I need more border security. Hey, we're never going to leave military equipment behind in a foreign war. Uh, I wish Joe Biden of 2021 had listened to this. Joe Biden we will tell you when it happened, what he said. You're going to hear it yourself right after this commercial break.
1: OK, it's time to commit.
0: All right, folks, welcome back. Hey, in just a few minutes, Kash Patel, the former chief investigator for the House Intelligence Committee, and Devin Nunes, former chief of staff for the Pentagon, former national security official in the Trump administration White House, the man who helped run the operation that took out Iran's top terrorist general. Kash Patel is going to be here in just a few seconds, but I want to go have a little bit of fun, tickle your ears going into the weekend, because this clip that my colleague Susan Keating and I found is a MAGA moment for Joe Biden. I'm not making it up. Donald Trump might have made an ad that sounded something similar to this. Let me take you to the moment it happens. It is in 2007. Joe Biden is running in one of his many failed attempts to become president before he won in 2020. And he's campaigning in Iowa. And at that time, his main competitors are people like Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. Of course, Barack Obama wins, eventually hires Joe Biden to be his veep. But at this point... Joe Biden is more like the Joe Biden we saw for most of his career. He's running to the right, to the centrist side of Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, who are leaning to the left more. And he's giving a speech in Iowa. And he just happens to talk about two issues that are as relevant today, perhaps even more relevant to his presidency today than they would have been in 2007. The border and exiting a major foreign war like Iraq and Afghanistan. Just listen to what Joe Biden says first about leaving equipment behind, like he just did in Afghanistan, $80 billion of our best equipment. And then what he thought about the border. You just got to listen. I can't make this up. Just listen.
1: If tomorrow the order goes out from the president, I'm president of the United States, I issue an order, end the war today, begin to withdraw all American troops. It will take a year to get the American troops out. Do You hear me now? That's the truth. It will take a year to get them physically out. Now, if you leave all the equipment behind, you might be able to do it in seven months. And you leave those billions of dollars of weapons behind. I promise they're going to be used against your grandchild and mine someday. So it matters that no great nation can be in a position where they can't control their borders. It matters how you control your borders. I've been arguing for the need to put more protection at our borders, meaning that you have more border guards. This president, refusing to add the number of border guards, now said he has to send the, send the National Guard down. He, he vetoed. He, he was against adding the number of border guards. I only can suggest the reason he was is because he needed that money for his tax cuts that were unnecessary. I'm not being facetious. I'm being serious. Again, show me what you value. He had put a higher value on tax cuts for the wealthy than he did on protecting the border. And all of a sudden, the public responds, and now he says, now we gotta send the National Guard down there that's already overstretched by God knows how much. You know the units going in and out of your own state, going to Iraq and Afghanistan. So I think what you have to do, is you have to have a significant increase in the security at the border, including limited Elements where you actually have a fence, not a fence 3,000 miles like these folks are talking about, but you've got to, there are certain places people can go over and under a fence, but you can't take 100 kilos of cocaine over and under a fence.
0: Wow. That's a MAGA man moment for Joe Biden. Unbelievable. Great work by Susan Keating. We found this in the archives of C-SPAN. We we got permission to use the clips. I'm so glad you could hear them and listen to them because they really are incredibly insightful. What does it mean? It means Joe Biden has flip-flopped. Joe Biden of 2007 runs against the Joe Biden of 2021, the guy who left equipment behind in Afghanistan, the guy who's opening the border, reducing the authority and ability of our border patrol and the ICE police. Unbelievable. And, it, you know, there's a lot of questions here. What happened? Does Joe Biden even have a value center? Or is he just willing to take whatever policy he thinks will get you elected? That's why he's been in office for 50 years or 40 years, whatever it's been. I don't know. Those are questions for you to decide, but we've given you those facts. That clip, those sound bites, I bet you they're going to be played for days. Joe Biden of 2007 running against Joe Biden 2021. Joe Biden sounds like he agrees with Donald Trump. Joe Biden 2021 has taken actions that are not only anti Trump, they have become incredibly unpopular with the American people. The open border, big issue, and the failed, bungled, embarrassing. Head-dropping, shaming exit from Afghanistan. Both are millstones around the political future of Joe Biden. And if he had only listened in 2021 to the advice he was giving in 2007, well, maybe history in his presidency would have found a different path. Really fun stuff. That's why we're here at Just the News to do things like that. We're going to take another quick commercial break. When we come back, our exclusive interview with Kash Patel, a man who knows more about Russia collusion than anyone else. He helped unravel it with House Intelligence Committee Chairman Devin Nunes, another good friend of the show. Right after the commercial break, we'll be with Kash.
2: Delve into the shadows of the mind. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
0: All right, folks, it's happy Friday time. And what better day to go, uh, what better person to take us into the weekend than my good friend, Cash Patel. Cash, welcome back to the show.
3: John, thanks so much for having me back. I'm always excited to be with you. You're one of the few journalists that have stuck with the truth over the last few years, so, you know, just marching on. I love it.
0: Yeah, we got a lot more truth to tell, and a lot of truth came out the last couple of weeks. But I, I want to stop for a second because there are two people, more than any other in the Russia story, that are most vindicated, and that is your old boss, Devin Nunes, and you, because you guys wrote the 2018 report that had it 1,000% right, and people yeah. like Adam Schiff did everything they could to denigrate your your honor, your your reputation, the quality of your work. And three years later, Adam Schiff can't even get a favorable appearance on The View, which is rigged with liberals. <laughs> and you and Devin have been proven 100% right, Congressman Nunes and you. Um, I just want to remind people, because people forget, we, we move on, we got busy lives. They smear the hell out of you two guys and you yeah. guys were right. And so on behalf of the American public, thanks for getting us the truth when no one else would tell it, because you were right there, man. You were right at the center of that.
3: No, I appreciate it, John. And, and look, it, it wouldn't have, you know, the whole reason Devin and I uh, took on this job is because we, owed, you know, we signed up to serve the American public and yeah. hold people accountable. And thankfully we had partners in the media like you who were willing to go out and tell the truth. And that's why we knew we were right the whole time. We yeah. told the truth. We put the facts out. Adam Schiff reclassified information through the media and turned Russiagate on its head to perpetrate the biggest fraud in US history. And so the truth does vindicate you. And I've always in my 16 years of service, um, especially during this week of Veterans Week, you know, you reflect that, you're reminded that you have to serve. If you sign up to serve, that's what you're doing. You're yeah, serving the mission. And
0: you never stop. I mean, that's look at your career. I mean, you started in the military, but you, you've been in Congress, you've been in the White House and the Pentagon. You've never yeah. stopped serving your country, and uh, it's just so amazing. People forget that they think, "Well, you take off the uniform, you're done." You've never stopped, and you're probably never going to stop. I, I know you well <laughs> enough now to know. I mean, I know you got a budding comedy career because I've heard you're doing some stand-up comedy and things. But uh, you know, you're you're <laughs> you're uh, you're always going to be that public servant. I think of you, and that's what I what I think of. We haven't had a chance to talk on here. We've talked off here, but I am so fascinated. You know, I thought 23 pages was a lot on Sussman, but 39 pages on Igor Danchenko. It's like reading a chapter in a Clancy novel. What is your top line take about what John Durham just told us in the Igor Danchenko indictment?
3: Well, yeah, just give me 30 seconds to build to the Danchenko indictment. And I, know your audience. <laughs> I can get a drum roll first, if you
0: want. <laughs> no, no, no.
3: First, <laughs> first, he indicts and convicts the FBI lawyer who wasn't acting alone, but he convicted him. He's a convicted felon now for lying That's right. to the federal court for a search warrant application. Just hit pause and think about that. This guy lied, doctored yep. applications. Yeah. And lied falsified evidence, yeah. Then he indicts Sussman, who represents the DNC-Hillary campaign, who got paid $10 million to perpetuate the steel fraud and the Russiagate hoax narrative. So now you've got the DNC and the political campaign in the crosshairs. What's left? John Durham's recent indictment on Igor Danchenko. Why is that important? The Steele dossier and Steele himself has been totally shredded. His, his stupid interview with George Stephanopoulos was totally gutted by the information that we put out during the Russiagate investigation and subsequent Durham indictments. But Durham went one step further. He indicted Christopher Steele's source. That's telling America that Christopher Steele relied upon this guy Danchenko, who's now been charged by the FBI or DOJ and John Durham, five counts of lying. Why is that so important? Because Danchenko is basically saying, I never gave Steele any information for the dossier. And Steele, for five years, has been saying, that's my number one source. They're both probably lying. And now they got caught. And now this guy's under federal prosecution, facing 25 years in federal prison. That's why it's so important.
0: You know, there's one line in the indictment that, unless you're as steeped in the details as you and I are, you might not appreciate, but it is such an important line because one of the five lies that Danchenko admits to is that he lied to the FBI and he obviously lied to Steele because he claimed he had this source, Sergey Milan, uh, the head, yep. the former head of the Russian-American, uh, American-Russian uh, Chamber of Commerce in New York. And, you know, Milan's always denied he was that source. But mm-hmm. the the line that comes from that, fake conversation that never happened with Sergey Milan is there was a well-developed conspiracy between the Trump campaign. That line ends up first in the seal dossier, and then it ends up in the uh, FISA application. Mm -hmm. One of the most important lines that were ever uttered by Adam Schiff and and all of his media acolytes that were wrong about this was that there was this, you know, there was reason to believe there was a well-developed conspiracy between Trump, and it came from an absolute lie uh, the mm-hmm. Danchenko never talked to the man the man never said that it goes lie to lie to lie one lie goes from uh, Danchenko to steal, steal to the FBI FBI to the FISA court the most important line in the FISA warrant now turns out to have been a complete bogus lie what does that say about our FBI how could the FBI not be able to figure this out
3: they didn't want to and look John I was a former national security prosecutor I used the FISA That's process right. I went to the Fifth. I applied. It's a process we need to protect national security. But what ticked me off the most was the abuse of of it by the corrupt few leaders at the FBI, the Comeys and McCabe's of the world, the Peter Strzok and Lisa Pages. And I said, where's the accountability for when you when you lie to a federal court as an officer of the court? That's not what the Americans want in their leaders. And the lies that you just outlined are emblematic of how they staged the Russiagate criminal enterprise. And let's just put aside all the names for a second for all those f- viewers that um, aren't as steeped in it as you are. Right. Thanks to your reporting, we now know, John, because of your reporting, Christopher Steele's sources, quote unquote, filed federal affidavits in federal court rejecting the Steele dossier. It's then, unbelievable, John- isn't it? Denchenkov, his so-called main source for lying to the FBI. And finally, Sergei Million, as you said, um, another guy that still relied on his dossier to stand up, not just the dossier, but as you said, the warrant. America, you need to ask yourself this. Do you want an FBI leadership to be corrupted against you and your family, lie about you and your family, go to federal court, and then surveil your entire family based on lies? And if the answer to that is you don't want that to happen, then you need to pay attention to the Russiagate uh, criminal enterprise that or was orchestrated by the Dems, Fusion GPS, and Comey and McCabe and is now finally coming to light, because that's exactly what they did.
0: It's amazing. And, you know, there's a lot of people that will say, well, all right, it was an incompetent FBI. We've seen how incompetent they are. They blew the Michigan Olympic doctor's case. They've blown so many other cases. They didn't connect the dots before 9-11 but there is something now, you know, uh, I was talking to a bunch of the real experts and I put together this amazing timeline. And my good friend, Kevin Brock, who I think is one of the really great experts, one of those guys who served the FBI, honestly, uh, uh-huh. he's a former intelligence chief, very smart guy. We, we went through this timeline the other day, and it's pretty amazing because there are five moments before the FISA warrant is filed where the evidence screamed, stop. And the FBI yeah. blows past the stop sign. I just want to walk through these and get your reaction to them. We know mm-hmm. on July 5th uh, that Steele walks the dossier into his old handler, who happens to be in London at that time. London FBI looks at it and decides it's not actionable and never forwards it to counterintelligence <laughs> anyway, it just dies there. So that yeah. means a professional in the front field with all the training of counterintelligence deciding, yeah, I don't think uh, this is worth passing on. And we know a hint from the British court case. We know from what the British judge told us that Christopher Steele told the FBI in London he was working for Hillary Clinton, which clearly must have set off alarm bells. We're not taking a Hillary Clinton piece of evidence on Donald Trump. We're not doing it. So what happens? Christopher Steele comes across the pond. He meets his good friend, Bruce Orr. Bruce Orr walks it into the FBI, not to anyone in the FBI, but the deputy director, Andy McCabe, or the now disgraced deputy director. And in that conversation on August 2nd or 3rd, uh, as I recall... Bruce Orr tells him three things. Hey, Christopher Steele's working for Hillary Clinton. Christopher Steele hates Donald Trump. He's got a terrible bias. And three, mm-hmm. everything he's got is raw and uncroppated. Be careful. And the FBI mm-hmm. just says, oh, let's keep going. At, in early September, two months after President Obama already gets this information, the CIA sends a steaming red flag. I mean, it, it, there couldn't be a larger red sign. Dear FBI. And he sends it to James Comey and Peter Strzok. Not any, <laughs> right? And dear FBI. We want you to know, as you're starting on your Operation Crossfire Hurricane, that we have intelligence that Hillary Clinton has authorized a false uh, operation to make Donald Trump look like he's in bed with the Russians and responsible for hacking the DNC computers when he didn't, because she wants to get the attention off of her email scandal, just le- just letting you know. That's a pretty big warning, right? They keep going. End of September, we get the first warnings from CIA analysts that some of the information in the Steele dossier it looks to be Russian disinformation that Steele might need to be revetted. That they, they don't stop there, and and then they go to the court four, five, six, whatever that number is. They kept being told stop, and they kept going. Does that suggest incompetence or intention to you?
3: No, it's not even a suggestion. It was intentional fraud, and we caught them during the Russia Gate investigation. and yeah, in sure did. And we said, what's the biggest problems that we need to look at? What do when we started this investigation? One. Who paid for it? Follow the money. It didn't happen for free. We caught them with their hand in the piggy jar. Um, the Hillary Clinton campaign and DNC paid over $10 million to perpetuate this fraud. That's line A. And then line B of the investigation, what about the sources? Let's, let's look at source credibility. It's, it's Investigation 101. And you outlined Steele's bankruptcy and in credibility in, uh, in your um, conversation just here. But what was important to me as a guy who had done FISA applications and run run sources around the world and been in the intelligence community and the military was, where's the documentation? The FBI's got reams of documentation when they write these sources. Now I'm starting to think not only is the source not credible, the subsources are not credible. And, oh, by the way, did our United States government pay Christopher Steele, which they agreed to pay him six figures for this corrupt uh, action. And then we would go to find not just the money – and the credibility problems with the dossier. But here's what pissed me off the most, John. They went to a federal court and they withheld exculpatory information against mm-hmm. the target of a FISA warrant, and we caught them. That was not an accident. Andy McCabe was caught by the Inspector General lying uh, while being the Deputy Director of the FBI. We caught Peter Strzok, Lisa Page orchestrating their love affair on text messages and their <laughs> hatred for Donald Trump and their insurance policy that they engineered. Who else was sleeping around the FBI? No one's answered that question. Why is that important? Because it goes to the credibility of the agents who are running this investigation and the lawyers. And that seemed an emblematic problem during this entire charade, that you can't even write science fiction that would come anywhere close to this reality and how much it's hurt our Department of Justice and our FBI, where I work. And 99% of those guys are amazing Americans. They are. Yep. But they have destroyed... The top has destroyed America's faith in it. And I think we'll get some of it back with John Durham. But there are so many questions that remain outstanding, John. And you know that um, all too well.
0: And it's five years and we still have questions. In fact, I don't think we know even 40% of the whole story. You may know because you have had access to things that us mere mortals don't have. But uh, you've had... Uh, you know, really good insight in everything that you've ever predicted, everything you ever wrote for Congress turned out to be so true. I want to take you there's this unusual thing. I mean, I've covered a lot of scandals in my life going all the way back to Iran-Contra, but there's a cast of characters that I call the, uh, and I don't mean this in a pejorative way, but in the movie sense way, These Forrest Gump figures, because they keep showing up, and one of them was Bruce Orr, right? Bruce Orr shows up with Steele, then he shows up with the FBI, then he shows up with Glenn Simpson, then his wife shows up giving him stuff to give to the FBI, and you go, God, Bruce Orr's like all over this, and then he's meeting with Steele, and he's a backdoor way for Steele to give stuff to the FBI after the FBI has fired Steele. There's a, a second character that I now believe is sort of that Forrest Gump-like character, and that is a woman that we saw first in impeachment. This sort of uh, academic-looking Russia expert oh. named Fiona Hill, and you yeah. know she was a anti-Trump person during impeachment, saying terrible things. But also, uh, she she actually denigrated Steele and uh, the dossier. We now know that she was friends with Steele. We now know that she is the one who introduced Steele to his primary source in 2011, a guy named Danchenko, Igor Danchenko, the man who was just indicted. And at the time she's making that introduction, we know from other court records, Igor Danchenko is the focus of a counterintelligence probe. The FBI thinks he might be a Russian asset or tied to Russian intelligence. And she's introducing him to Christopher Steele. And then, all right, if that isn't enough to bend your brain, in 2016... (laughs) When Steele's just ramping up his dossier, she connects the vital source, Igor Danchenko, her friend, who probably she shouldn't be hanging out with based on what the FBI knew in 10 and 11, to the Clinton loving PR executive that we now know to be Charles Jolin Jr., who is then feeding his Russian sources, Danchenko, who then feeds them to Steele, who feeds them to the FBI, who feeds them to the FISA Corp. Uh, did you ever imagine in your wildest dreams that this little academic Russia expert, you know, slight and, you know, very well-spoken academic who showed up in the impeachment scandal would have those other tentacles to Russia?
3: No. And, John, I wish you could clip that last 60 seconds and just push it out. It's one of the best summaries I've ever heard about the corruption in this criminal enterprise. It was just articulated brilliantly. And I will add one name to the, to the pot of the, the Forrest
0: Gump. Yeah, the Forrest Gump, Yep. Yeah.
3: I'll add Charles Dolan, yep. who was in the latest indictment. And here's why the Fiona Hills, Charles Dolans of the world, and the others that you cited are so important. Devin and I ran an investigation where we thought, we said publicly, the FBI and the DOJ, courtesy of Rod Rosenstein and Chris Ray, are not providing Congress with the documentation we subpoenaed lawfully. They defied congressional subpoenas. And we felt we only got 60 to 70 percent of the actual information, and they blocked the rest with their deep cronies because they were embarrassed of the actions of the select few in the FBI and DOJ. Fast forward to John Durham. Here's the thing, John. I had never heard, me, Cash Patel, lead Russiagate investigator, had never, ever heard of the name Charles Dolan till John Durham indicted Denchenko left. Unbelievable. How many documents do you think exist on that guy? How about Fiona Hill? Fiona Hill testifies after conjuring up the whole Ukraine impeachment fiasco, right? And her testimony is available publicly, so I'm going to paraphrase. She says, after denigrating the Steele dossier and the Steele work, she says, Oh, even though I introduced Christopher Steele um, to Danchenko, my former research assistant, and I introduced Charles Dolan to that triangle of people, I, a Hill, had no idea what they were working on. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the guy, Charles Dolan, who was just outed as a Clinton operative, who was, paid, who was getting paid to dig up dirt, and who, by the way, was actually in Russia while getting paid as a Democratic operative in 2016, um, doesn't it sound like they were colluding with the Russian government? And doesn't it sound like Fiona Hill has more to answer? And if Charlie Dolan's actions were hidden from Congress, what else did the FBI hide? And that's why I have faith in John Durham. If he was able to crack this nut about Charlie Dolan, I think he's already got Fiona Hill in a grand jury answering questions. I think he's going to all of Sim- uh, Simpson and Fusion GPS's source network. And he's also following the money. This doesn't happen for free. People pay and bank records don't lie.
0: Yeah, such a great point. And, and uh, I just, it, it's so stunning that the, 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 the chance of, that it's serendipity that in the summer of 16, she connects Dan Chico to someone who then gets him some of the Russia dirty ones. And remember, Dolan is the guy that at least is suggested, it's not confirmed, but it's suggested in this indictment. Dolan's the guy that kind of comes up with the whole Russia, Moscow P-tape thing, except they, the what the because he, he takes Danchenko to the hotel where that allegedly occurred, and he shows him the room and he introduces him to the Russians. Except there's one problem: the Russians said nothing untoward went on when Donald Trump was there. They left that out of the dossier for sure. But uh, you just see now that you know Sergey Milan didn't really exist. He really was an interview, but he's in the dossier. The the Trump P tape allegation, that salacious thing, turns out to be something far less innocuous, at least as Charles Dolan relates it to Danchenko, I think that John Durham has just completely blown away every narrative that the mainstream corporate media seized upon from October 2016 to, you know, probably 2019, when they were still somewhat in denial. It's unreal. Mm -hmm. How big a loser is the media in this?
3: Well, except for the few brave warriors like yourself and Lee Smith, and and I don't want to start more because I'll, I'll forget, but there, there, are, there are a few soldiers in the media like, like you guys that, that got it right, Maria Bartiromo, yep. so many over Newsmax, just warriors. Uh, outside of that, they're all bankrupt. They're all losers. And that's, that's the course correction that I've been trying to work on since I left government service, is you have to find a way to correct the media. Because for years, they lied to 50% of the American population who believe everything they said that Trump was in bed with Russians and Putin and that Trump was getting paid. And Trump knew that Vladimir Putin was using U S dollars to kill American soldiers. The lies go on and on COVID vaccine, COVID vaccine mandates, COVID origins, more lies by the media, their hatred for Donald Trump intentionally blinded their ability to report credibly. And America is finally seeing it. And look, I'm not, I'm, I'm celebrating that we're finally getting to the truth, but, I'm, you know, pretty upset that our media has gone so far down the toilet. That's not a free press that we want. That's not what our founders envisioned when they, when they enshrined the first amendment and the, and the rights therein. And the media has just totally trampled on it. And it's going to take some time, John, uh, to get that back. But that's, uh, you know, that's why I started fight with cash and, we're gonna keep. We're gonna keep fighting. I know you will.
0: <laughs> yeah. Tell us about Fight with Cash. We mentioned a little bit last time, but I'm so fascinated what you've created. You've created a website and a fund. What is Fight with Cash about? What, what are you trying to achieve every day with that incredible site?
3: Thank you. Yeah, it's fightwithcash.com with a K. And what we're doing is, look, as you know, I was defamed mercilessly because I was outed as the lead and sure investigator were. of the Russia. The- so the media came after me. They called me a genocidal dictator. You know, I don't care. I can take it. But my family has to read these things. I got death threats because of the the reckless conduct of Adam Schiff and his his minions in the media. But when they defame you, when they outright uh, make falsehoods against you, you got to fight back. So I sued. I sued CNN, Politico and The Times for one hundred fifty million dollars. Those cases are ongoing and there's more to come. And when I traveled around the country with my good friend and former boss, Devin Nunes, during his freedom tour, Everybody would come up to me and say, Cash, I've been defamed. I've been deplatformed by big tech and big media, but I don't have money. I don't have the lawyers. I don't know how to fight back. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll fight with you. I'll lead the charge. So I started fightwithcash.com to raise money. And if you go to the website, we've got great holiday merchandise that just debuted or is debuting next week. And all our content's there for free, these interviews, because I think it's important to bring money for them. And we're going to pay for their lawyers if they have a righteous defamation case. And also, you know, after I started fight with cash.com, Adam Schiff's reckless abuse of authority continued with his vendetta subpoena against me in January 6th. And you know why they do that, John, you know, it takes you off mission, yep. it takes, it costs for a hundred thousand dollars in lawyer's fees, which I don't have. So now I'm asking Americans to help me pay for those legal bills that are mounting up for me personally. And, yep. and I hate to do it, but um, you know, I ask you all to give what you can at fightwithcash.com, and we're going to get your cases to court. Uh, That's the priority. But um, I think uh, that course correction, that bullet to the media, that seven-figure bullet for them getting caught defaming Americans is what's going to correct the media.
0: We see this machinery in the United States government, whether it's Adam Schiff and his subpoena, the congressman from Mississippi, Benny Thompson, or what the Southern District of New York just did with James O'Keefe, or what the Southern District of New York did with me when they were trying to look at my Ukraine reporting. It's all about intimidation and creating costs. And they create the aura of something's wrong. And then when nothing turns out to have been wrong, they just go away you don't get your reputation back. I never told the story, but I, I think you may know this because we've had a personal conversation about it, But during the middle of the Ukraine impeachment, I came home on several days and my neighbors who I'm just so close with, they're all wonderful. Like no one would look at me. Like they would turn yeah. away, they would run in the house. Like man, it, am I wearing something bad? Did I not shower? What's up? And and finally, I went to one of them and said, hey, is everything okay? Because it seems like everyone's a little nervous. And, well, some guy came through here claiming he was a reporter asking if you were a Russian spy. You got to be kidding me. And my this guy planted this seed in all my neighbors that somehow I was living above uh, extravagant life, obviously on the take by the Soviets or who ever else else. And, you know, it took me days to go around to my neighbors saying, hey, I'm really sorry that happened. But I'm no Russian spy. I really don't like uh, Vladimir Putin any more than you do. And you know, I sat down, and let him know what was going on. And, you know, everything was fine again. That level of deceit, that level of hatred, that level of smear mm-hmm. job that went on is yeah. just—it's shameless. And you went through it three or four times. Devin Nunes went for it three or four times. Uh, poor Carter Page. I can't even begin to think Sorry. of what that was 18 months were like when you know he was being called a spy when he knew himself he was a CIA asset. Uh, man, at some point, there's got to be a reckoning for people like uh, uh, Adam Schiff. There has to be a punishment worthy of the damage they've caused other people. Do you see that coming? I see
3: it coming when in 2022, the midterms flip the House and the Senate. And you know this, John, because then you have the power of the gavel. Then you have the majority. Then the Republicans, like the Devin Nunes of the world, the Jim Jordans of the world, can conduct oversight investigations that matter. Yeah. Then they go investigate Adam Schiff. Then they can create select committees that actually have consequence and a meaning for the American people, because congressional constitutional oversight, I firmly believe, has a place in American democracy, but not the way the Democrats are running it today. And I think it's, I think it's in our sight. I think it's coming in 2022. Virginia was just the latest example of what happens when Republicans argue on the issues, the issues of. Critical race theory, what they're teaching our children, the southern border vaccine mandates. That's what Republicans ran on in Virginia and won top to bottom. What did the Democrats run on? They ran against Donald Trump and they lost. And I think that sort of ethos is permeating throughout America. And I think that's why we have to work so hard this next year. Um, And we're going to continue the fight for 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 all Americans that fight with cash um, dot com. And I know you are. I I love talking to you, John. And I wish the American public knew how much time and effort you put into um, to your news program and your and your site and everything, because it it doesn't it doesn't happen in an hour. It takes years of of people's lives
0: back at you. And, you know, during the middle of this, you lost a good friend in Damon, who was the chief counsel. Yeah. Um, you know, there were so many, uh, I, not too long ago, uh, I ran into a retired FBI, a person who I knew and he's not retired. And he said, you know, I got to say something. I've never said it. i would never say it loud in the middle of this, but it was like 2000 people against 20 and the 21. Yeah. And he was referring to people like you and Damon and Devin and Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan and a little bit of Lindsey Graham here and there, Chuck Grass, he played an important role. Uh, and then, you know, a few reporters like Sarah and, and Molly and, and yeah. A small number of people took on a machine of 2,000 FBI agents, corporate medias, uh, people with bullhorn, Sean Hannity clearly deserves a lot of credit, and Maria Mm -hmm. because they let us use the bullhorn. But uh, it's kind of amazing when he said that to me. He's like, 20 against 2,000, the 20 win. And I said, well, what lesson do we take to that? And he said, uh, very funny, put a little wry smile on his face. He said, facts still matter. And I think Cash, uh, when I think of Cash, the first thing I think of is a fact-driven investigator. You always had the facts, and you never gave us any bogus information. And for that, we're really grateful.
3: Thanks, John. I really appreciate that, and it's been a fun ride. At times, it's been tough, but it's been worthwhile. I don't regret it. I'm glad we did it, and we were able to partner up in so many areas. And and, and look, I, for our audience, uh, your audience, I think, I think w- stay tuned, because I think we're about to have even more fun and even more accountability that I know you'll be able to cover properly, and I hope more people watch your show and pay attention here. Oh,
0: thank you. Hey, how can folks go? You have a TV show. We should remind them of that because you're at our good friends at Epoch Times. I, I'm good friends with so many people at Epoch Times. So impressive what they built. How do people tune into your great show?
3: Yeah, thanks. Uh, Cash's Corner over on Epoch Times. You can find the links uh, to the show on FightWithCash.com or just go to Epoch Times TV. And a special episode airing tomorrow, actually um, tomorrow night. I think it releases. Um, is uh we sort of decode the Denchenko indictment for those that are all right those are interested in, in the nitty gritty details we spend about thirty five minutes talking about every person in the indictment, the intelligence, who needs to be investigated next um, I think it 's an exciting episode and Thanks for bringing that up, and check out Cash's Corner.
0: Listen, you had an interview with Rick Grinnell the last couple weeks. It was so fantastic, so insightful. And, uh, folks, if you haven't had a chance, go check it out, Cash's Corner. Fight with Cash, two really important resources. If you really want to get the truth, check them out. They're they're really awesome. They're on my must-watch list.
3: Thanks, John. I appreciate it, and um, I, I'm looking forward to where we go in the very near
0: future here. And as we uh,
3: close out the week for, for America, I, I remind them to thank all of our veterans and remember their service because, uh, um, you know, without them, then uh, you know we just don't we just don't have the ability to do what we do anymore.
0: Uh, you are so right, my friend, and you were one of them. So thank you. All right, we're gonna let you go, Cash. Thank you so much, folks. We're gonna take a quick commercial break. We're gonna get ready for the weekend. When we come back, quick wrap up in just a few seconds. All right, folks. Hey, it is time to head in the weekend. I'm not going to stop you from getting there. It is time to pop open a beer, pour a glass of wine, throw some of those Omaha steaks on the grill. Maybe do pull out the Annie's Kit Club kit you just got, start crocheting or knitting or building a wood crafting a woodcraft. I'm going to do some of that this weekend. You should too. It is time to just sit back, kick back, have a great weekend. Thank you for reading just the news. Thank you for listening to John Solomon reports and to our great sponsors of this veterans week extravaganza that we were able to pull off Omaha steaks Annie's kit clubs. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've done so much. And for all of you listeners who went out there and got something and sent it to a veteran because we asked you to do it. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. We're going to do something fun in a week or two to say thank you. We're going to do a special open mic night. You're going to be able to ask me questions, send questions to me, and I'll answer them. The whole show will be built around answering your questions. We'll do that in a couple weeks when we're ready. Until then, hey let's sound the whistle. The weekend has begun. Let's go enjoy. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. Watch some football. Have a glass of wine. Yeah, you're going to have to rake the leaves probably, but you'll get that done quickly. I know we will. And until then, we'll be back Monday with some more news, but have a great weekend. God bless you, and God bless this extraordinary country of the United States. As he always has, you've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from just
1: the news.